Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Anytime during my 10 years I could do this. That's power. That's power. Here's the snap. The ball is down. The kick is up. And it's gone! Wolfpack wins! It's time for the Riddick and Reynolds podcast. Here's your host, James Curl. All right, folks. Welcome to the Riddick and Reynolds podcast. Episode 200 of the show. How about that? Uh, A milestone unlike any other. Thank you, Jim Nance. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, it's been a fun 200. Uh, I'll go ahead and say that. I've been able to interview quite a few notable names, and we'll actually have one joining us here later in the, uh, in the show for a second segment of the show. Uh, but uh, thank you to everybody out there that's listened. Uh, I don't know if, any, if anybody can uh, tweet at me and say, I've listened to every single episode of the show. I'll... I don't retweet you or do something. Yeah, I probably won't give you any money or anything like that, but uh, I'll give you a shout-out. How about that? Uh, But uh, I really do appreciate uh, everybody listening over the years, and uh, it's been a lot of fun. And, you know, I'm hoping we can get to uh, episode 400 in the next five years or so. But um, uh, for the majority of these 200 episodes, the folks here at Medios have been our sponsor and taking care of us over the years, and... They've grown like the show has, and Dave wants to let me know or, or let you guys know about their new store that's opening up in Apex. Amedeo's Pizza is going to be coming soon. Um, they are aiming for a late October opening. Uh, it'll be the uh, same great Amedeo's food, I'm sure. And, uh, you know, you can head on out to uh, the Beaver Creek Shopping Center near 55 and 64. ton of shops out there, so you've more than likely already been out there if you're in the Wake County area at some point or other, especially you southern and western wake folks um so you know if you're looking for a great spot out in the uh, apex holly springs you know carry area f- to get some good italian food Amedios is uh the place to do it and that's uh, again that's going to be Amedios pizza i guess will be the official name of the restaurant again it'll be out there at the beaver creek shopping center uh, be sure to swing by there, you know, check it out. I I, I, I wanted to check with Dave and see if they were going to build us a stage to host the podcast from, but I figured uh, maybe not to give them Do any. Do we get gas expenses for that? <laughs> I, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if they can expense our, our gas for that or not. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it should be an exciting endeavor for the folks here at Amedios and... Please do patronize them if you're at West. Maybe you haven't had the ability to come out to uh, Amedeo's proper here in downtown Raleigh, but uh, you live out in the western part of the county, and you can go out there and take in uh, some of the fine Amedeo's pizza and Italian food out there. So be sure to visit them. Again, that's opening up in late October. All right, Matt, how are you doing, sir? I'm weathering the storm, James. Weathering the storm. Last, last two weeks have been, been a little rough. <sighs> yeah, I, it's, it's, I'm trying to recall a time when I've had expectations dash quite as quickly as I have in the last two, as I have in the last two weeks. Um, you know, the Louisville game stung, but I, I felt like, the, you know, we were going to be able to rebound mm-hmm. well. And, uh, you know, we were going to face a Virginia Tech team that was as ripe for, you know, beating in Blacksburg, yeah. especially in a night game as you might ever get during the uh, Frank Beamer era. And we went up there and looked strong for a quarter, and then just the wheels absolutely fell off. Um, I was thinking about – I actually went back and watched a little bit of the uh, game yesterday just to kind of prep for today's show. You know, about maybe 11 and a half minutes or so into the second quarter, with, uh, I guess, 11 and a half minutes left in the second quarter, you know, States up, I think ten ten nothing at that point. Still, uh, I think Hakeem, go- Hakeem Jones goes down with an injury, mm-hmm. and then I think on the next play there was a defensive holding call that extended their drive. It would have been yeah. they would have been punting on third down most likely, 
we get called for defensive holding, and on the very next play, they score a touchdown on that fade. Yeah. I think it was a corner blitz that they picked up and were able to um, you know, take advantage mm-hmm. of Hakeem's replacement. I, f- remind me of his name. I, I, Barrett, is it? Uh, Bennett? Uh, yeah. What, what number? Pratt. Oh, Jermaine Pratt. Pratt. Yeah, That's right. 31. That's right, Pratt. Excuse me. And, you know, it, it's hard to blame a guy who's coming in, you know, cold off the bench to, you know, uh, and – you tip your hat to Virginia Tech for taking advantage of yeah. uh, the situation. Yeah, but, they, sh- uh, they somehow got their best receiver matched up on a backup safety. Right. I, I mean, that's kind of that's kind of on the defense too. But I mean, obviously right. Virginia Tech did a, they did their job and recognized it. Yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe not uh, call a, a corner blitz right <laughs> on his first play. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah uh, in Leave the him out game. to drive. Um, so so they score there and you know i I think state even had a maybe a three and out on their very next possession after the you know getting the ball the wheels just kind of fell off from there pretty quickly um you know after scoring those 10 points state would i think only score three more points the rest of the game and you know um just it was very very frustrating to watch uh, and i'm sure it was for you as well did you go to blattsburg you did okay so uh, give me kind of your your you know grounds grounds eye perspective of what it was like being there as that was transpiring. Um, first off, I have to say the Virginia Tech fans were the single-handedly the nicest people I think I have ever met. It's um, <laughs> good to hear. We parked. We kind of like half snuck into this alumni parking lot. It was pretty lax. But we get in there, and as soon as we pull the cooler out of the back, we had people coming up to us, well, quote, literally welcoming us to Blackbird, Blacksburg, telling us come get us get some food, get some beer. Uh-huh. We had like five different tailgates take us over there um, nice so that was a really good experience um stadium's awesome it is really cool mm-hmm. um, first quarter was obviously great and then the first i think it was like the first play of the second quarter um you know they i was like oh my god this team might be dominant maybe this really is a team and then they just shut down i mm-hmm. don't something mental i mean you could tell the way virginia tech scored the first touchdown i was thinking the whole time might be in a little bit of trouble now, which is you know silly to think. You know, still being up ten to seven in the early in the second quarter, but it it just seemed like something took the not the wind out of the stadium because it was Virginia Tech, but you know what I mean. Yeah. It kind of took the wind out of the sails for State, and it, I don't know if that's just a mentality. Um, mm-hmm. I don't want to get into that too much because some people hate that talk, but it just it just seemed like something was turning, um, and then you know they start making a little bit of a comeback, and then. You know, a missed pass interference call where maybe Virginia Tech got one. Um, some missed that one where there was a missed holding, and then the next play they called a face mask on a sack that wasn't even apparently wasn't even there. I couldn't really tell from where I was sitting, mm-hmm. but all I saw was, you know, how could you ever call that? He didn't touch his face mask or anything like that. So I'm assuming it was controversial. So, you know, little things like that piled up, and when you don't have the swagger and the confidence, and that thing happens, it's it's gonna absolutely kill you uh, yeah i mean it, those were like you said kind of you know death by a thousand cuts mm-hmm. of little things that added up that you know a team that's maybe not as mentally strong as you know a yeah. more veteran team or or like you said a team that's got a lot of confidence coming into this game I, you know both teams really needed to win this game and yeah. perhaps the added pressure made it you know a little bit more difficult to keep your composure mm-hmm. when you're stressed so hard on you know kind of pulling this one out on the road and thinking about what a huge victory this would be right. um you start stressing or stressing a little bit about those things and you know you could see the frustration on their faces when some of those calls you know went went against them mm-hmm. or didn't go their way yeah, I saw and, two, three coaches at a time out in the field, and mm-hmm. you know, I mean, that's their job, but it's not usually a good sign. Yeah, it means that they're you know they're legitimately worried. They're out there instead of, and it's nothing against coaches. I'd probably be at midfield yelling at some, <laughs> yelling at someone. So, um, but most times, coaches are you know they'll stand on the sideline and kind of pout or whatever. But right, you could tell the coach it was kind of getting to the coaches too of you know what do we what do we have to do. Yeah, both on themselves and to the refs. Yeah, you know, I, I wonder to the point of you know the the co- uh, you know Coach Storen has mentioned it leading up to this you know season um, the fact that they're still young even though they you know have garnered garnered a lot of snaps you know from last yeah. year where they were extremely young younger. Um, you know, is if you're still young but have you know game experience, can you still Use kind of the young card 
in, in a situation like that? I mean, you've you've already, in a lot of respect for these kids, been through a lot of those yeah. same situations. You know, I realize there there may be you know redshirt right. freshmen or sophomores, but um, you know, I, it is it fair to ask why they weren't able to better handle the yeah. that, that pressure? Absolutely. Um, I mean, you you can blame it to an extent. I mean, it is what it is. Generally, a twenty two year old kid's going to be a little more developed than a nineteen year old kid. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's a physical sport, but. I mean, you do, you have some kids like Samuels and you know Contavia Street guys that are absolute physical freaks. So you can't really say that their development's behind. They've mm-hmm. played a lot. Um, not that it was their fault. Those are just two examples. But um, I mean, it's a weird position because O'Brien's last two years he did not recruit well. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. There's mm-hmm. no, no talent. I think last year was the first time State didn't have a player drafted in like what twelve years or something like that. You know, it's two hundred and something, two hundred sixty something players drafted, and they didn't have one of the two hundred sixty something best, you know, yeah. eligible players in the draft last year. Um, you know, so so there's to some extent there's that, but you also look there's three senior offensive linemen. Two of them are all conference preseason. They were in the discussion. Um, you know, you have a, a senior quarterback. You, yeah. You know, fifth year kid who played at Florida for two years. Played started some games there. Um, you know, you have. You know, supposedly the most, I think, the most experienced secondary in the country. I mean, it, it's kind of a, I don't know, kind of a, a weird way to to come up with an excuse because, yeah, your team is young in age, but these guys played a lot. Yeah. Um, I mean, you've had them for three years. I know it's a weird. It's never easy to just take over for a coach, except for apparently uh, Harbaugh and McElwain have done okay. But <laughs> yeah, you know. Those teams recruited lights out. They just didn't have a coach. Yeah. Um, whereas O'Brien kind of did things the opposite way. He just took whoever wasn't hopefully going to get in trouble and tried to coach them up from there. Yeah. So so it is a weird, and I get the frustration, but I I don't well, think using youth as an excuse is fair. A season and a two yeah. and a half seasons into your tenure. Yeah. Well, and you mentioned you know two units where there's a ton of experience. And they unfortunately seem to be our two weak links right now, <laughs> right. quarterback and the secondary. And you know, and and Jacoby came into this year with a tremendous amount of you know kind of preseason hype about being maybe a, a dark horse Heisman. Yeah, candidate. didn't even the Grantland guy like write some, somebody wrote something like it's ridiculous that he's even in the Heisman talk when he, I don't know if he wasn't, but it showed that he was getting the attention. Yeah, and I mean, they, there were he was popping up on some lists, and, yeah. and I'm, I think Mac Brown mentioned at some point about Todd McShay had him listed as the fifth, fifth best or fifth uh, or something, yeah. senior quarterback. Um, but it is it's very fair to say that it, especially in these last two games and you can say for the whole season to this point Jacoby really hasn't shown us anything this year yeah. and you know he's he's holding the ball a long time and and picking up sacks when he probably yeah. you know should be feeling the pressure a little bit more um he's not I, I mean we at the end of the game, when he finally threw that interception, which was questionable whether or not he possessed the ball all the way to the ground. I had but, left in frustration at that point, <laughs> so I can't comment on that. But there was talk that maybe this is a good thing because now that streak, that yeah. talk of that Stop streak is gone. Stop being so stinking conservative. <laughs> right. Maybe give your receivers an opportunity to, to make a play. Now, you know, David McHale from ESPN said that, you know, some of this, or he attributed a good portion of this on the receivers, I guess, not being in a position to, you know, make catches. You know, I don't know. I'm not able to see the whole. Yeah, it's, the the you're watching the quarterback as a play unfolds. It's kind of tough to see how yeah. free these guys are getting downfield. But he's obviously not taking, you know, or not at least uh, throwing the ball and giving his right. guys chances. And when he does, he's inaccurate a lot of times, especially yeah. downfield. So it's, I, 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 it's he just doesn't look like the same quarterback that he looked like at times last year. Yeah. Certainly not the Florida State game where he really dazzled a lot of folks. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the last year where he really kind of settled himself down and yeah. kind of got back on track. So I, I would be curious to know uh, if it's po- if it would be possible to know this. And, of course, it's not. But I'd be curious to know what's going on inside his head right now. Yeah. Does he feel 100%? Does he feel confident? Because it doesn't seem to be translating onto the field. Right. And, I mean, people kept mentioning, you know, we really miss Bo Hines, really miss Bo Hines. Of course we do. Um, but yeah, he was a leading receiver last year, but he averaged what three or four catches a game. Like th- I think he had forty-two catches or something, mm-hmm. so less than four a game. So I mean, he was a great player, but he wasn't Calvin Johnson or Andre Johnson or mm-hmm. you know Julio Jones. It's not like he was just Jacoby was just lobbing it up and had these guys. So, 
outside of Bo Hines and Scantling, who dropped half the passes anyway, like these are kind of the same caliber players. I mean, I I honestly, I Michael mean, Ramos is a much better receiver than he was last yes, year. Yes, he's yeah, he's improved. Cherry, I haven't really seen, and I could be wrong, but I don't remember. Cherry just dropping a pass. I don't really know mm-hmm. if Alston's dropped. It's not like they're dropping open passes, right? And I think part of his and maybe Jacoby doesn't trust. And once again, this is obviously all conjecture, but yeah, maybe Jacoby doesn't trust the line because it seems like he's going from the and keep in mind I played no football, so this is just me <laughs> observing. Yeah, it seems like he's going from the first read to the fifth read. He's not going one, two, three, four, five, mm-hmm. and it it seems like somebody's trowel has been open like all season. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I think he's being the fourth guy or whatever. He's somehow getting lost in there. As Jacoby sees the first, and then immediately sees Days or somebody and tosses it out there. Yeah, and I mean Gr- at least Greenwich he's, caught one pass, but I mean he's been largely yeah he's, he's caught like this whole year five passes this year. Yeah. And I know I'm sure the coaches have a reason for not using him as much, but State has whenever they've had good offenses, it seems to be the tight end has been mm-hmm. a good. You know, one of the top catchers, Anthony Hill, George Bryan, Greenwich last year. Yeah. Um, you know, the, and I don't know. I don't really know if they're just changing the scheme or what's going on with that. Yeah, and and obviously, you know, Matt Canada has come under a lot of criticism these two games mm-hmm. because it does seem like the the play calling has been um, uneven. Uh, yeah. Very, very. Uh, uh, I, I saw several people. Wondering why were we running essentially the same three plays? During yeah, it's that pretty game. much Hines running, you know, running across in front of Brissett at mm-hmm. the snap, and then one of three guys getting it. Yeah, and it's and you know maybe some you know some sweeps or a stretch play. I mean, it seemed like in that in the game, you know, and I'm sure Canada, like most coordinators, they script a good part of yeah. of their first few plays. And the script seemed to be working great. I mean, the first mm-hmm. play from scrimmage to Samuels was what was it, like twenty some yards yeah. on, on a on a swing route or wheel route, you know. And they marched right down the field. They looked good. And then after that, the kind of the creativity seemed to be missing. Right. Um, it, and, it, and for Virginia Tech, I mean, Bud Foster is one of the best defensive coordinators in the country. Right. He, he adjusted. Yeah, you're not just going to come out there and you're not playing <laughs> yeah. an eighth grader or something. It's, yeah, you're playing a guy that's. And I mean, state, state obviously any offense. I mean, he he talked about how he, you know, Doran talks about how they pride themselves on, you know, uh, being balanced and and being able to, you know, not just rely on the passes run and and like mm-hmm. any good offense, you know, if you can't throw the football, then obviously they're going to stack the line. They're going to do everything yeah, they can to shut absolutely. it down. And you know, um, like I said, to to Virginia Tech's credit, they were able to you know kind of take away what State was doing well early in that game, and kind of force State. Is, I don't know. I I was begging for Canada to go back to to running the ball during the Louisville game, and then during the Virginia Tech game, I was like, you know, we got to pass the ball. Yeah. So it's maybe there's a little bit of the damned if you do, damned if you don't kind of thing when nothing's working. It, it seems, and it's weird. It seems like State's best. Offense is when they just run, 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 run. You know, there was uh, one of the field goals on Friday. I think State ran like nine plays in a row, just motored down the field. Right. Third and two, they run a little, they run an out route to the right side. Yeah, and you know, just they just rolled them out to the right and ran everybody with them, and they threw it. And I'm thinking, you know, obviously, once again, I'm not a coach, but you've ran for what, like 58 yards in this right. drive, just motoring down. Yeah, and now you're going to go completely away from that. Yeah, exactly. Obviously, the defense is tired. Your line's getting a good push. Go for it. If you don't get it. You yeah. don't get it, but at least you went to your bread and butter, right? And you know they also they did to Canada's credit ran a great play in the first half. I think it was the first half. I think it was a touchdown drive. They um, rolled Brissett left with no cover, with no blocking. Yeah. They ran him left, and they had everyone running their their out routes, and he threw a perfect pass in there. And that was neat. It was something different. And it seems yeah. like when they do like one different play, but mostly go their bread and butter, it works. And it seems like they. They run, and as soon as they get stopped once, it's hey, let's run a little swing pass or something. And they're running, yeah. they're running routes to basically one receiver blocking like three guys. And mm-hmm. Days and Hines and those guys are great athletes, but so yeah. are the other team. You know, it's, right. that it, stuff works against South Alabama right, and Old exactly. Dominion. But when you have Virginia Tech's linebackers, you know, kids that you know, same kind of kids State's trying to recruit. It, yeah. you know, it may work once, but you just keep doing it. You're eventually just going to start losing yards. Well, and that, you know, to your point about you know when a play 
gets kind of shut down going away from it when it had worked earlier. Yeah. That little uh, option play that they ran, where yeah. the in, you know Virginia Tech's end was crashing down. I you know I didn't go back and watch it to see if he had you know was uh, not crashing down mm-hmm. in later you know in the game, but he was wide open. I mean, he, yeah. he, he had a, a, a clear twenty yard running lane. Yeah, um, and. If they did stop it once, I'm like, well, you know, they got you that time. Maybe keep, you know, yeah. keep trying that. Keep keep that mixed in. I don't know. I, I'm playing armchair quarterback, and, and our guest is sitting here, and he's probably critiquing everything I'm saying as we speak. When you lose, you open yourself up to that. And yeah. It's the same. Yeah. I mean, it's the same thing with like USC. Mm-hmm. Nothing came out about Sarkeesian until they lost two games in a row, and mm-hmm. now it's coming out. It's Obviously, it's a slightly different thing, but that, that's what it is. When you lose, you're open to criticism. If you win, we're, we're sitting here just talking about how awesome it is that we're 5-1. and one. Yeah. It's it's a little different. Yeah. I, I do think about how, you know, um, you know that Louisville game was there for the taking. Win that game and play better against Virginia Tech and maybe win that. I mean, you know, 6-0 and oh against those two teams, yeah. you know. Man, that feels so much better than where we're at right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, it's it's oh. weird to feel this bad about a four and two yeah, season. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But when and you look now, at it, even Wake Forest has a win. Granted, it was a three to nothing win, but they have a, a yeah. conference win. But you know, when you go four and two against that non conference schedule and lose your first two conference games, mm-hmm. then the narrative isn't well. They're four and two. It's they're zero oh and two in the conference. Yeah, it's like and, a whole second season almost. Yeah, and um, so we're not off to the best of starts. Um, I'm not going to make Kim wait any longer. Dwayne Washington is here. We're going to bring him on here in the second segment. Uh, Matt, thank you for helping me break down on that. And uh, like I said, mm-hmm. we'll take a break here on the Riddick and Reynolds podcast and welcome on Dwayne Washington. So what is it that people like most about Emilio's Italian restaurant? Cool atmosphere, lots of state memorabilia, tons of memories, just lots of things to reminisce about. The food's awesome. I've had just about everything on the menu, and it's all great. Chicken wings, hamburgers, lasagna, pizza, it's all great. I love coming. I've been coming here since 30 years since I was a kid, man. Find your own special reason for loving Amedio's Italian Restaurant in the heart of Raleigh, North Carolina. All right, folks, welcome back to the Riddick and Reynolds podcast. Hey! <laughs> We are joined, as promised, by Dwayne Washington here in the second segment. Straight out of uh, football practice, Coach? Straight out of practice. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> he is the head coach at uh, Heritage High School, but uh, longtime Wolfpack fans remember him from his playing days here at NC State uh, from 90 to 94. And uh, that was uh, that was peak Dick Sheridan, Michael Kane era right there. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah. It was. It was. Yeah. It was a lot of great football. I had a lot of great players that uh, went on to do some good things at the next level, but uh, it all started with Coach Sheridan. Yeah, and uh, did a lot of great things here at State and then obviously went on to a great career in the pros. Uh, 11 years, I believe I read. No, 12, 12, 12. 12? Don't okay. cut me short. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that last to... year was my toughest year. <laughs> <laughs> we need to take it up with the editor of Wikipedia, whoever yes, that knucklehead we do. is. Um, get that <laughs> we'll hop on there after the show's over and get that corrected. Um, but uh, recorded at least one interception in every year, except one in the the years that you were in the NFL. We can record uh, update Wikipedia on the fly here during the show. <laughs> haven't I? I don't I don't know about that stat. That might be right. Yeah, I, sure yeah. I only that. saw one year where you didn't have at least one interception. In his head, he's counting every single one. <laughs> right, I'm going back. I remember, right. that, one. I remember <laughs> that one. Um, so it was uh, my last year, yeah, it was my last, that was the only year I didn't start. Was my last year. So played uh, four four years with the Vikings, and then what? Five years with Pittsburgh. Is six, that right? six, six years Pittsburgh. with Pittsburgh? And, and uh, a year with some, Jacksonville, a year with Kansas City. Yeah. So uh, so some I you know you were one of the elite quarter or cornerbacks in the uh, the league at that time. Is that safe to say? I mean, you, you know. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I yeah. mean, um, you know, th- th- that run that we had those six years in. Uh, in Pittsburgh, myself and Chad Scott, you know, we were uh-huh. um, a really good tandem, uh, really good friends, and uh, you know, pretty much one of the highest paid corners at the time. Me and him. Uh huh. How when you have you know, obviously, you know, you look at guys who are at the top of their uh, level in a sport, especially your position like a Daryl Revis or whatnot. How how important is team chemistry to an individual's performance at that position? Well, it means everything. I mean, obviously, everybody or anybody that knows football knows the ultimate team sport. So you need the other ten players just to get one play right. Mm-hmm. You know, so right. um, 
the success I had or anybody else on any team I played on. Um, they would quick to give the credit to the other players because that's truly how it works. You just can't do it by yourself. Yeah. And, of course, you know, on a defense that starts with, you know, pass rush up, fr- up front, you know, right. put uh, you guys in a position where you only have to cover a guy for a limited amount of time, maybe the quarterback. Three seconds. Uh, yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, absolutely. It's the ultimate uh, team sport. Um, let's rewind. Let's talk about your time at NC State. What are some of your uh, prized memories from your time here in Raleigh playing for Sheridan? And Did, did you ever actually play under O'Kane at any point? Uh, I'm trying to remember. Yeah, my I, senior year was senior year. His, okay. his first year. Okay. Yeah. What, what are some of your prized memories from your time here? Well, you know, you know there's so many. I think uh, the first thing that kind of stands out was the fact that uh, when I got here or when I was on my recruiting visit, I didn't notice that the guys didn't have mustaches. Uh-huh. And it wasn't until I got here. And they said, yeah, you got to cut your mustache off. I'm like, what? What are you talking about? You know? I started looking around. I noticed everybody had the butt face. But uh, <laughs> um, but yeah. that, that just led into, you know, the type of person that Coach Sheridan was. You yeah. know, and uh, he was he was all about business. And, and he didn't want uh, guys to really be uh, individuals, which, you know, football, again, is really not an individual sport. And he thought that, you know, by us, you know, at least during the season, not wearing mustaches, uh, that would make us more of a cohesive group. And I, I think it did. Yeah. Yeah, he was – He, I remember those teams from the, the late 80s and the early 90s when he was there. And, um they were all businessmen. I mean, they they you know executed very well on the football field, and, and obviously, when you're playing uh, football, the ultimate team sport, as you said, you know everybody's got to handle their role, their job on the field, and uh, you know that requires being precise. And and you know you can't uh, if if one guy, as we saw in this game against Virginia Tech, if one guy you know slips up, maybe you know you know gets a, a half a step or a step behind in coverage, it can mean a touchdown. Sure, um, sure, sure. For the opposition. And as I listened to you talk, I was, you know, just thinking in my mind again, going back to those days. I think the thing that one thing that really stands out is the fact that when Florida State came into the ACC, mm-hmm. because those two years, my last two years, you know, we really had really good teams, and and if they didn't come into the ACC, I truly felt like we would have won a championship. You know, right. they were just uh, truly that much better than everybody else. You know, they were. <laughs> Um, the fact that they had two starting offensive lines that they would just send in, Bowden would send in whenever he wanted. You know, it was amazing. <laughs> right. You know, line change. Right. And, yeah. And obviously, Charlie was the ultimate competitor and athlete. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, winning the Heisman, as we yeah. know, and all that. So, um, you know, looking back at that time, if they had waited maybe two more years to come in, I truly think we would have got a championship because we really had some great teams. But, uh, uh, we just couldn't compete, you know, at the level they were because obviously they were number one in the country, rightfully so. Yeah. And of course, Virginia was very strong at that time under George Welsh. And, True. Uh, but yeah, when Florida State got here, I, I remember it was almost like uh, you know, I mean, it was big news in North Carolina when they joined the ACC. And, True. And I was like, man, these guys are coming to to the. I mean, do you feel like the ACC is still to a certain degree playing catch up to? I mean, obviously, Clemson has very much closed the gap on Florida State. But, you know, there's still a lot of teams, NC State being one of them, that are trying to close that gap between the Florida States and now the Clemsons of the league. Uh, you know, it feels like those two guys are at the top. And then there's, you know, Virginia Tech has obviously had some great years. Sure. Uh, but, you know, the, the, most of the league seems to be struggling ver- uh, to close that gap between those elite programs. Yeah, and, and, and it's tough. You know, I think, um, you know, just the climate down in Florida, you know, you got kids that's out – 365 running around playing and you know we get all four seasons here so there's some downtime when people are inside um uh you know i think we do have great athletes here there's no doubt about that but it just seems like uh you know down in florida they just have more yeah (laughs) you know just seems like they have more and uh in florida state florida and miami you know those are the three schools that tend to get you know those type of athletes and obviously this is a unique place obviously being here in the triangle with so many schools so close to each other so it's tough for um, kids to make that decision on what school they're gonna go to so i think from a backup perspective you know we tend not to be as good as those schools mm-hmm. but our front line guys are just as good yeah i i mean that's you're absolutely right. I mean, the, the difference between a, a program like a Florida State or Clemson is often not who's starting, but it's, it's their, the guys that are coming sure. in to give those guys spells or being there to, 
you know, replace guys who get injured. I mean, State's dealing with injuries on the offensive line. And, sure. uh, you know, the guys that were coming in this year, we knew we felt pretty good about them. But when you're having to move Tooney around and some of the other guys on the line, then you're starting to kind of introduce uh, an element of, you know, trepidation, doubt. I mean, these are kids that are, you know, decent kids, three, sure. four-star kids, mm-hmm. but they need time to grow and develop right. and and. They're maybe not ready for that. Yeah, in a perfect world, you'd like to redshirt all your freshmen, but you know, yeah. and I don't think that's Coach Dorn's philosophy. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, he tends to play the young guys. Uh, but you know, it's something to be said about you know doing well or doing excellent on a Friday night and trying to do the same on a yeah. Saturday night. I think it's a little different. Where, where you're the you're the big kid now. Everyone's the big. That's kid. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and the kids find out pretty quick that hey, it's, it's pretty serious. That business first out hit, here. right? That's right. That's right. That's <laughs> yeah. right. Um, and they, you know they they learn on the run, obviously. But I think it would be good if you know some some more of the guys on the team could probably red shirt and just kind of watch for a year and grow yeah. into their bodies a little more into the speed of the game, and then get out there, you know, the next year. And I think a lot of that's recruiting. Um, I see, you know, I, I follow recruiting a lot, and obviously, you know, you're coaching high school kids, and they all think that they're going to come in and play right away. Um, I think that's just kind of a cultural thing now. Is if you're if you don't play as a freshman, you're not any good. Or you know, I'm not going to go there. He doesn't play as freshman. I know that that's killed right. Wake Forest the last few years. Um, Jim Grobe didn't play freshman, that's right. that's and right. they had they a bunch of two star kids and right. whatnot. So. Right? No, you're right about that. It's, it's amazing how sports go in trends. And right mm-hmm. now in football, they're trying to take the same attitude, if you will, that the basketball players take. Yeah. You know, so if you're a five star guy like Naheem Hines, he's thinking, "Hey, I got to play." Yeah. You know, I'm not coming red shirt. Well, right. know, what is that about? <laughs> what is that? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You know, but you know. Now he's doing a great job. Don't get me wrong. I just threw his name out there, right. but uh, he's one of the few that you know probably deserve to play. Mm-hmm. But there's there's some guys that definitely should register. Yeah, and they're they're just playing special teams or something like sure. that. Sure, sure. Yeah. Uh, obviously, now being a high school football coach and being here in North Carolina, and obviously having grown up here, you went to Northern in Durham. Uh, is the difference between the North Carolina schools like State, Carolina, Duke, Wake Forest? And now ECU, App State, Charlotte, is the is the difficulty in the fact that there's just not enough kids to go around, uh, or do they need to? I mean, I know every coach that that takes a job in North Carolina talks about how they're going to put a fence around the state and, and sure. recruit here. And you know, are there enough kids to support all the programs in the state that want to become you know to move up in that next tier of FBS? Well, it's tough when. Um you know, you're not a perennial top 25 team or, you know, getting in the playoffs or something like that because obviously the top-notch guys, the five-star guys, the, you know, Dexter Lawrence's of the world, yeah. I mean, they're, they're, you know, they're getting courted by, you know, LSU and everybody else, you know, mm-hmm. Alabama. So that, that makes it tough on that kid to make that decision to stay home, yeah. you know, instead of going, playing, you know, big-time football. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it's tough. And we do have a lot of schools here, but, you know, I don't know if we have that many athletes. And maybe we do. I just hadn't looked at it in that way. Maybe we have so many that's leaving on a yearly basis yeah. out of state mm-hmm. um, that it makes it seem like we don't have that many, but maybe we do. And, and you mentioned a good point about Lawrence. Is I've met a lot of kids that go to Wake Forest um, High School just through my job, and they they all are like, why would Dexter go to State or Carolina? He should go to Florida. LSU. It's it's a perception. Sure, that's um, what it is. Yeah, and, I mean, literally all of them think, oh, he's going to go out of state, or he'd be dumb not to you know right. not to go out of state. And that's something that all the schools are fighting. Mm-hmm. And I know Doran and Fedora both now are kind of saying, hey, we don't care if you go to UNC, Duke, Wake State, just whatever, just stay home. Right. And I right. think it's it's helping. They're getting more and more of the top kids. But this cycle, like this, the twenty sixteen class. Most of them are going to Tennessee and Florida sure. and whatnot. But last class, I think State and UNC had like seven of the top ten State kids. That's right. That's and right. It's, it's going to help down the line if they just keep that philosophy. Sure. And, you know, and I'm sure the coaches do this. I mean, if the kids go is to go to the NFL, you know, it's not like they can't go from right. uh, NC State yeah, or Carolina. Right. That doesn't matter. Right. You know, to an NFL scout or NFL you're, team. They you're don't pl- care you're playing and you're starting. I mean, that's right. if you're a backup at Alabama for four years, what you're not going to get seen. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, it, it's that's an odd uh, kind of you know, it's not a joint venture per se, but uh, you know to to see State, Duke, Carolina, and Wake all kind of you know agreeing. Yeah, stay at home. You may not go with us, but you know, it's stay it's stay at home even if it benefits one of our rivals. 
it's kind of an odd position to be in, but ultimately it benefits in the, them in the long run. Yeah, well, I think um, they're, they're tired of being sick and tired, if you will. <laughs> yeah, they don't. You know, the, the footballs they don't want to play second field of basketball any longer. Right. You know, NC State football, NC State football. You know, Carolina football, Duke football. We've we've seen some tweets from other uh, schools' kids who say maybe. Yeah, uh, host a uh, pickup basketball during halftime and get some People players to play on the stand. <laughs> uh, not naming any names or schools, but uh, but what have you. Um, I, I do think there's some subliminal messaging kind of in that message mm-hmm. that oh. the, that the coaches are saying is, well, two things that coaches really want to do is they want to win the win the family over, win the coaches over. It's like mm-hmm. the, actually just kind of a combined one um, is is show. Hey, I really care about this kid. You know, I, I think he'd be better off as a hometown hero. Now, do they mean it? I don't. I don't know if they'd rather him go to Carolina or. Tennessee. I, I don't mm-hmm. know, but it's showing. Hey, we really care about you. Um, you know, don't go here, but you should still be a hometown hero no matter what. Or hey, you know, they really think it's important to stay home, and he's the one that told me that, so I'll pick that. You know, there's there's always a subversive message of some sort. Now they probably do mean the mean the best for the kid, but mm-hmm. there's also a secondary message to that. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, it, you, you, you're you're. You're wanting to, you know, see. There, there's the theory, I guess, of you know, a rising tide lifts all ships. Where, you know, as Duke has gotten better, that sure. certainly has improved, you know, the perception of triangle football. I mean, gosh, Duke was just a punching bag for <laughs> as long as I can remember. Um, them getting better has obviously put more pressure on State and Carolina to improve, but that's good ultimately because it means that you know uh, they're going to work that much harder to to get better kids and put better results on the field and um you know won't stand for uh, mediocrity as it were uh, now mm-hmm. state and carolina are still trying to get out of that cycle um but you know it's um I, I do feel like state carolina duke football obviously they're all in better spots where they were than say maybe 20 years ago in give or take you know there's obviously been some yeah. some rise or fall over the years but you know You've still got the the Florida States and the Clemsons, obviously, of the world that have also kind of uh, continued to grow as well. Um, and you know, and perception wise, the SEC has is now got that kind of uh, what does that add that CBS is the best game of the best the conference yeah. or whatever. You know, it, it's there's a lot of battles that have to be fought that aren't just you know on on the field per se. It's it's perceptions sure. and things like that. So. Dwayne, I'm curious as, as a high school football coach now, you, you've got kids that I'm sure that, uh, you know, are thinking about playing at that next level. And, you know, what's recruiting like as a head coach, seeing it from the other side <laughs> versus when you were being recruited out of Durham? Well, it, it's interesting. Obviously, it's changed a lot, you know, with the Internet. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, you know, we got kids that uh, as soon as the game's over, they're, they're, they're making a highlight tape right after the game. <laughs> yeah. they're, checking their, they're checking their name on Twitter and seeing if they're yeah. yeah, Right, you know, so uh, it makes everybody think that they can play at the next level, you know. Yeah. So, you know, we always try to keep it real with the kids and let them know realistically where you're standing because, you know, if you played five snaps for me, it's going to be tough for you to get go to a college for free <laughs> playing yeah. football, you know. So, um but, you know, I think it, it, it is interesting just, you know, seeing and talking to the coaches when they come in, you know, just to visit the various guys and stuff and their philosophies on, on recruiting and just their program and all that. So I always try to tell the kids, you know, you got to fall in love with the school first. Forget the coaching staff and all that because they, nine times ten, might not be there when yeah. you get there. Yeah. You know, so it's all about your education and, and what you're trying to do uh, uh, once you get in college and after college. And it helps. What I think you were a first round pick, correct? Yes, sir. So that means you have three, at least three first round picks on your coaching staff because Charles and Dory, right? That's right. So I mean, that's that's pretty good. You know, <laughs> you're, you know, somebody to be listening to right, right there. Right. This is I did this. I know what's going on. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, there's a lot of you know, not just high level college experience, but a lot of uh, NFL experience <laughs> yeah. on that staff as well. So. Um, we give it to them, man. I tell them, yeah. you know, you can't. I, I'm sorry, I only know the game at the highest level, so that's that's what you're gonna get. <laughs> if you want to ignore me, that's fine. Yeah, but. that's what you're gonna get, man. What? What's? Uh, oh, maybe a, a humorous note. What's the most frustrated you've ever been with a kid while you're trying to coach them? I mean, is it? Or do you get frustrated when you see a kid that has a lot of potential that just can't put it all together? Do you get frustrated uh, in other ways? Uh, you know. I, I, I sense that you're a guy that's you know very detail oriented, you know 
tries to do everything the right way, and, and you've seen the results of hard work and dedication of years. When do you get most frustrated as a head coach? Well, no doubt about it, I get most frustrated when I see that they're not doing the right things in the classroom because mm-hmm. I'm like, man, you got all the talent in the world, but it's just, just not going to matter. The way this thing is set up, you're not going to be able to go to school. Mm-hmm. You may have to go to junior college or something like that if you get into junior college, you know. So um, it's a lot of talent out here. But that might be what's happening in the state of North Carolina. A lot of them can't get into college, so that's why we're not seeing them. You know, so um, the fact that you only got to have a 1.5 to be eligible to play, (laughs) that makes no sense. Yeah. Why doesn't that line up with what the NCAA is saying? You got to have a 2.3 now. You know, Mm -hmm. so the way this thing is set up just doesn't make sense to me. And I'm just getting into it. It's my first year, but I don't get it. Uh-huh. I don't get it. He only has to have a one five, but he can't get into college with that. Yeah, yeah. So why let's raise that up? Yeah, it's yeah. for the good of the kids too. Cause yeah, definitely for the good of the kids. Yeah, you know? Otherwise, they get to school and then they don't qualify. Then they go to prep school, and it's it's just it, that doesn't work out very often. It's a bad at all. cycle. Yeah, it's a bad cycle we're in. But you know, changing that to two zero would be detrimental to a lot of teams because <laughs> so many kids just would, they wouldn't have teams for yeah. a lot of schools. It also may make the coaches more accountable. You know, sure. hey, you know, make sure you're doing the right thing for your kid. Make sure he's getting in the classroom. Sure, so. sure. And, and I think for the most part, a lot of these coaches out here are doing it. I mean, it, mm-hmm. let's be real here. It's really a voluntary deal, you know, to yeah. to coach at the high school level. So you truly got to have a passion for the kids and, yeah. and their well-being. So uh, for the most part, the coaches that I've run into and talked to, you know, I think they have the kids' best interest at hand. How much of, you know, uh, the structure that starts, I guess, at the high school level and continues on to the NFL, how much cooperation is there from level one to two and two to three? And should there be more of a streamlined, like you said, maybe you know, a universal um, series of standards that have to be met to go from high school to college? And then you know, should there be more cooperation between those levels with one another i mean you don't want to necessarily turn it into uh, a minor league to a pro system in maybe the same way baseball has uh, i know a lot of times we think of the college as kind of the minor leagues of the nfl right. um should there be more cooperation is there i mean is it possible or is it just kind of this is how things are and and we make the best of it yeah i think it's more you know this is just kind of how things are yeah we made the most of it. And, and it's not you know, a bad setup. You know, um, uh, you know the, co- the college coaches obviously have their time when they can come in and see the guys and all that. And I think that makes sense. You know, you don't want them around all the time. <laughs> yeah. You know, because these kids be thinking more about that than, yeah. you know, yeah. what they really they'd be, be looking about. at the coach, the ball hit them in the right. head. Yeah. Right. You know, so I think those dead periods are critical um, for the coaches in college to be thinking about their players and vice versa. Um, you know, but from what I see, I think the system's not – it's not terribly bad. It's broken in some areas. It's just it's going to take a, a bunch of people raising their hands up saying, hey, we need to change some certain things. Yeah. And obviously you you played uh, in the NFL. It doesn't feel like it's been that long, but you kind of played before the, you know, the era of, you know, understanding and knowing more about concussions and, and brain injuries and those sorts of things. What are you doing at Heritage or, or what have you been, you know, instructed to do as from a player safety standpoint, that maybe vi- differs a good bit from when you were playing high school football. Well, no question, you know things are totally different when it comes yeah. to that. I mean, everyone is conscious about the kids and their health. You mm-hmm. know, any little boo boo they get now, they sit out of practice. <laughs> <laughs> they sitting out of practice. Broke you know, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I kind of had one of those today. Oh, I broke my fingernail, coach. Okay, <laughs> over there, see the trainer. <laughs> but you know, no, seriously, I think um, they've uh, high schools. The North Carolina High School Association has done a great job of educating the coaches on things that we need to look for when a kid is injured uh, and working hand-in-hand with the trainer. I think back in my day, the trainer wasn't really taken too serious, whereas now she's right. – and I say she because I have a she, but she or he, they're really the person that runs the program because mm-hmm. if they say, Johnny boy got a concussion – I'm all eyes and ears and she's yeah. telling me the protocol and what we have to do next yeah. or what have you. So that person, I think the train on each high school team is very, very critical uh, to the health of those kids. And, uh, and we have a great, great lady, Miss Beckett. She's great. Mm-hmm. How, how tough is it? I mean, obviously football is a sport that's predicated on being tough and fighting through pain and, and injuries. I know. You're, you're <laughs> now it's suddenly a very delicate balance of, you know, 
I don't want you to let this standing the way of you getting on the field. But if you do have a, a head injury, obviously we got to take that very seriously. It's tough. I mean, because you know now they got to go. I think uh, twenty four, forty eight hours without any headaches. Then they start a five day period before they can come back on the field. You Gosh. know, so that's that's quite a bit of time. Yeah. yeah. You know, but. I think that's truly what they need. Yeah. You know, my son just had a concussion a couple of weeks back, and it made sense, you know, for him to sit out and miss the game and all that. Yeah. But Miss one game or have a lifetime of right. trauma. That's so right. That's right. So it makes sense. Crazy. No question about it. You know, I wish they had it back when I was playing, but, you know, back <laughs> then it was get back out there. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever had a situation where you, quote, unquote, had your bell rung and, and oh, sure, sure. knew that you were concussed looking back on it? Oh, yeah, plenty of times, no yeah. doubt. I mean, I can remember one time I was in Pittsburgh and, I blacked out that time. I don't know who hit me or whatever, but wow. uh was in the locker room at halftime, sitting on the table, and Coach Coach Kyle was looking at me, hollering, what's wrong with you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, good, yeah. <laughs> that was one of the few times he spit in my face. <laughs> What was it like? I, you played for Coach Cower, and obviously uh, there was a, a time there when he had left his uh, coaching gig at Pittsburgh and State was going through a coaching change, and maybe there was some talk about possibly Coach entertaining the idea of being State's yeah. head football coach. Did, did Coach ever talk with you about being an NC State guy and, and that sort of thing? Did that ever come up? You know, he, he, he kept – a pretty straight line with that. You know, every now and then we talk. Obviously, we know when the game was coming on or whatever. We yeah. might chat just a second, but he wasn't, you know, over the top with the whole NC State stuff. He's but, got a uh, thousand other things on his mind. Right, 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 right. <laughs> you know, just, hey, great game, you know, whatever, something like that. But, um, yeah. I, it, it, I, it's, I always wonder about guys um, – you know, I know at the Virginia Tech game, uh, Steve Kime uh, mm-hmm. hosted several former NC State players there. Adrian Wilson was there. And, um, you know, I'm trying to think who else was there, but several notable yeah. Wolfpack alums who had played in the NFL. Um, and so, you know, I guess everybody has varying degrees of how, uh, you know, much they display their, their Wolfpack pride, as it were. I think Kime, uh, when he. Uh, signed a contract with one of uh, Carolina's yeah, former. Yeah, Jonathan Cooper. Was it Cooper? Yeah, I think yeah, so. Yeah, he, he gave him a state shirt when he first showed up for his first day just to kind of give him hell. Yeah. Um, you know, th- those sort of things uh, obviously endear those guys to uh, to, to state fans, and, and we enjoy that. Uh, but I'm just curious beyond – when you leave the, the doors here at Raleigh, how much of that stuff carries on? Maybe maybe it's a little, maybe it's a lot. I don't know. No, it definitely carries on. I mean, uh-huh. you know, in the NFL locker room, that's all it's about is the college you went to and yeah, you know, right. what you're doing and all that stuff and how the guys are competing. Uh, so, believe me, they're, they're looking on Saturdays, you know. Because yeah. most times, you know, we're sitting in a in a hotel room somewhere in Seattle yeah, or something waiting for the game. Or yeah, there, right? so we're, that's all we're doing, <laughs> watching the games, you know. Yeah. So. Uh, they're very much into it, so that school pride is critical. So anytime State was doing well, I think uh, everybody everybody knew it. That's for sure. Yeah. It probably was a little wager going on too. Yeah, so, I was gonna say it's a competitive league. Right. Everything yeah. you do yeah. is you're, you're dealing with 85 of the most competitive people in, in the oh world. Oh my god, yeah. Not, amazing. I guess 53, but uh, yeah, competed everything. Unbelievable. <laughs> uh, did you get a chance to watch the game Friday against Virginia Tech? Do you have some analysis from that? Uh, I don't know if I have any analysis from it, but I recorded it, so I watched. I watched three quarters of it. You were a little preoccupied on Friday. Yeah, I was preoccupied, (laughs) but my mind was still like, "Man, did we win the game?" You know, as soon as the game was over, I was like, "Tori, what's the score?" But he didn't know either. So, (laughs) Uh, but obviously, it was a disappointment. No question about it. I think um, uh, there's definitely still high hopes for the team this year. It just seems like uh, there's a couple of things that we got to get worked out pretty quick here. Yeah. Um, Offensively, because you know we gotta score points. It's, it's, yeah. That's the way this this thing is set up. You know, and I think mm-hmm. our offense is set up to score, but for whatever reason, we're just not doing that right now. You know, I think we have an above average quarterback, no doubt about that. Um, he just needs to trust, you know, his receivers and you know, and whatever it is, coaches are calling and and make the necessary throws. I just think he's getting hit too much, mm-hmm. um, and for whatever reason, you know, I don't know if it's the wide receivers are covered up or he's just yeah holding the ball. I don't, I don't, <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, we've talked before in, in, you know, weeks leading up to this show about how, you know, the secondary has been one of the areas where state has seemingly struggled. Do you, do you see that as well? Do you, I mean, you don't want to call certain people out, obviously, but I mean, is, or when you watch a game and you see, uh, the team give up long, you know, long pass plays down the field, what, what are you seeing that, uh, the team could do better? 
Well, from a defensive perspective, you know, I don't, I truly don't think that they're doing that bad. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the way that, the way that football is set up now, they make you play the whole field. I mean, you play yeah. fifty three and third. I mean, you got to play it's the whole, whole field. spread offense. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So, they, so teams are going to move the ball, and there are going to be some passes given up here or there. But when I look at those guys in totality. You know, we probably wish we was getting a little more of a pass rush, maybe. You know, um, yeah, so we didn't have to, you know, blitz as much. Um, but you know, it's, it's it's really a three prong approach when it comes to football. You know, it's always offense, defense, special teams. So it's hard to point out one sector of the game and mm-hmm. said, boy, you know, only if they did better. No, only if all three parts did better. <laughs> right. yeah. You know, so uh, that's just the way I've always seen the game and taught the game that you know you got to have all three phases to. Just mm-hmm. to win one game. Yeah. yeah. The longer the offense stays on the field, obviously, the more that gives the defense go. an opportunity. Defense looks great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> they look great. Yeah. Uh, well, Dwayne, thank you so much for joining us on the show this week. It was a, uh, a wonderful opportunity, you know, bumping into you uh, and getting an opportunity to invite you on the show. I was glad that we were able to have you on the 200th episode of the show. Awesome. Um, I, I guess my last question to you would be, would you ever entertain – Going into college coaching, might we see you patrolling the NC State sidelines? Oh or no, 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 I doubt it. <laughs> I, I think I'm uh, I'm probably over the hill now. Most coaches are pretty young, you know. Uh-huh. I mean, uh, I'm not old, but you know, 42 in, in coaching. I don't know. You know, at this point, I'm just enjoying the high school experience. But you know, one thing I've learned: you never say never in life. So who knows? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Well, thank you so much, sir. Uh, I hope we get a chance to do this again in the future. Uh, Matt, thank you for joining us this week as well. And uh, I reckon that will do it for this week's episode of the Riddick and Reynolds Podcast. All right. You're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.